Hey guys, welcome to Wrestling Days and welcome to Wrestling Days Reviews. We're reviewing this week's WWE Raw. And to be honest, I didn't quite know what to expect from the show. I was excited for it because obviously we're done with Crown Jewel. We're building towards Survivor Series. I was really excited to see kind of how these pieces were going to come together. And we certainly got some answers on that, but we also got some very unexpected moments. I feel like this show had quite a few talking points, especially at the end. Not always great talking points, but we're going to go through the show. I'm going to share my thoughts on it, and we'll get your thoughts, of course, in the comments as well. Uh, let's just take it step by step. There's so much going on inside my head. I think the best thing to do is take it step by step. So the show started with the bloodline coming down. No sign of Sami Zayn. There were some Sami chants, but I've got to tell you, this crowd was really flat, really quiet. I really was expecting more. I think if the crowds had been more vocal, had been chanting quicker and louder, I think it would have really benefited this show. I think this show struggles from a bad crowd, but uh, we get the New Day come out. And uh, we do get some Sammy chants. They're just talking about what they had managed to have achieved at Crown Jewel and obviously what they've achieved with their historic title reign. It has been a long time. It's not the all-time record yet. That is still owned by the New Day. And so, unsurprisingly, the New Day would make their way down to the ring. Now, we know that we're getting Usos against New Day on Friday. I think that's going to be a fantastic match. They normally are, but this segment was fireman. Seeing these guys in there with uh, the Usos was absolutely brilliant. I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, there was some fantastic back and forth. Uh, I think the Usos said something along the lines of, uh, great to see you. You know, you've achieved so much. You know, you've done bootios. You've sold bootios. You've sold tons of merch. It must be really great to be the second best tag team, uh, kind of making out that they are the ones. New Day are the twos because the Usos are the ones. But, uh, you know, this uh, got a good response from the New Day and Xavier, who said you're only in the position you're in because of your family uh, and really kind of went off about the fact that they'd been helped into WWE and helped into the position that they're in. And that Kofi and Xavier, they're both first generation and that it's harder for them. No one's opening doors for them. And this was gripping. This was great. The only thing I would say is it may be outstayed. It's welcome a touch. Not long, but I just think you could have shaved a minute or two off because it felt like they did some great lines, great promo work. And then it sort of drifted a little bit. And then Riddle came out. And for me, this went south when Riddle came out. Riddle came out and he's got the bongos and he's still doing this same joke of hitting the bong. And I'm sure it's probably making people smile and laugh out there. It doesn't do it for me. I think it was funny the first time, but it's just a, an, a joke that's gone stale, like really quick for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't need this version of Riddle right now. Uh, this version of Riddle was pretty cool and funny when he was bouncing off Randy Orton. But without Randy to bounce, bounce off, it doesn't work as well for me. And also, like, this material that he's doing is a few weeks old now. We don't have Randy to kind of be the 
roll in the eyes like, oh, God, we don't have that out there. And that kind of is missing uh, as well. Plus, also, we saw Riddle get really serious in his feud with Seth. So now to go back to this version of Riddle feels like we just we've took a step backwards. So there's a lot about this that I didn't like from Riddle. But um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It set up a match, basically. The main part of this was the promos between Usos and New Day, which, you know, had fantastic moments. Um, but yeah, the Riddle stuff, ugh, didn't need it. Uh, this led to a match and a uh, long match. I got to tell you, by the time we were done with the promos and we were done with the match, we were about 40 odd minutes into the show. Like this whole... Uh, segment took up a lot of time, too much time. The match didn't need to be that long. The promos, you could have shaved a bit of time off. I didn't need the riddle thing. Uh, I didn't even need this match because it's New Day versus Usos on Friday. That's what we're building towards. I don't need to see them kind of squaring off here as well. I know it's a little different because it's a six person. You've got Solo and Riddle involved here and they won't be involved on Friday. But it's, it's not that drastically different. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I would have done the promo, would have left it at that, then gone to the first match and the first match be somewhat completely different to this. Crowds were not that into this. Um, it was perfectly fine, but I just think the crowd were flat. I don't know if you can judge this match on the crowds. I just think the crowd were a bit flat, but yeah, not, not what I was looking for, but not terrible, right? I think that's fair. I feel like that's fair. Uh, after that, we got JBL. So always good to see uh, JBL. Uh, he came down and he said, laid into the crowd, called them snowflakes, ripped into the local team, brought out the modern wrestling gods who was about to have a match against Cedric Alexander. Now, I did take a screenshot here of Cedric's info card because it said Prime. And I, I I don't know. I mean, like, maybe this has passed me by, but I don't get it. I don't get the prime thing. When have we ever been calling that Cedric Alexander prime? Like, it, it makes it look like it's a nickname. When have we ever called Cedric Alexander prime? Is this something we're doing that's new? Or have I just completely missed this? I have no idea. But yeah, the prime thing, like, really caught me off guard. Um, and actually... It seemed as if Baron Corbin caught Cedric Alexander off guard because this match was not long and uh, it was a win. A very comfortable, very easy win for Baron Corbin, the wrestling god. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a bit split on it because we did Cedric dirty here. But I do understand, like, you know, we're really investing in Baron. He's got JBL, a legend. It's great to see JBL coming down to the ring and doing the promos. I mean, JBL's promo was fire. And then you bring out Baron Corbin, and now he's starting to look credible and he's winning matches clean. It's not as if JBL is helping him. Uh, he wins this one in a squash. So I feel like they're definitely building Baron. But uh, I don't know. This match in isolation didn't really do much for me. And yeah, we were like sneaking our way towards the end of the first hour. And there was definitely some nice moments in the first hour, but by and large, skippable first hour, I thought. Then uh, this wasn't skippable. This was uh, Seth Rollins and Seth was pumped. He said it had been too long since he would uh, held gold. 
Um, he's certainly acting like a face now. And we would hear some comments from him later, which uh, certainly implied that he was a face. So this is Monday Night Rollins. He even said, welcome to a special edition of Monday Night Rollins, which uh, really got me excited. This is my favorite version of Seth. It's brilliant that we're back to this version where he's defending that United States Championship on a weekly basis in an open challenge. Because this was in the middle of the show, I wasn't expecting a, a big name. Uh, so we were quite shocked when the Judgment Day came out. Didn't expect this. Rhea with her hands in her pockets looking cool. Um, and obviously uh, the presentation of Judgment Day when they first come out looks really great. Mo dark, moody light in. We've got some smoke. Um, they're all kind of standing in a spotlight. It's it, it makes them look really cool. So Judgment Day presentation, I was really impressed with. I thought it might be Dominic against Seth. I wondered if we were going to go that way. It was actually Finn that got into the ring and said, you cost me championship gold a couple of years ago. I've not forgotten. But before he could actually answer any challenge... Uh, the OC came out. Now, this wasn't the biggest surprise, of course, at Crown Jewel. It was OC against Judgment Day. So we was expecting them, if you're going to get Judgment Day, you're going to get the OC. And this was cool, man. This was cool. This was cool because uh, they got into the ring. Seth snuck away. So Seth went. He's gone. So really now we've gone from a Seth Open challenge that never happened, or certainly didn't happen up until this point, into a Judgment Day OC segment. And uh, I think AJ said, oh man, there was a couple of lines here that were great. AJ said, you know, this isn't over. And Finn Balor responded by saying the only thing over in this ring is the judgment day, which I thought was a brilliant line. And then uh, AJ said, we haven't found someone to solve our rear problem. But thankfully, they found us. And as soon as he said that, the camera cut outside the ring and uh, someone attacks Rhea Ripley and it is revealed to be Mia Yim. Mia Yim, who was big down in NXT. She was never the women's champion, but she was used a lot. Uh, she actually came up onto the main roster as part of Retribution. She was reckoning and then ended up getting released and I think has been in Impact. Well, now she's back, and I've got every confidence that Triple H, Popper H, is going to use her well. I think she fits in with the OC uh, really well. I think there's a very interesting dynamic now. I think you can have some fun with Mia Yim being in this group. I want her to be in the group permanently. I hope this isn't just for this little feud with Judgment Day. I hope however long the OC are around, Mia Yim is going to be with them because she, I think she needs it. I think if she was off on her own, she would just get lost a little bit. There's a lot of very good women. Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, Bianca, Bailey, Becky when she returns, uh, Liv Morgan. You know, there's a lot of women on the roster all battling to stand out. And I think that if you are in the OC working with AJ, Gallows, Anderson, and you're the only female in that group, you are going to stand out. It's worked well for Rhea Ripley. She would have stood out anyway, but she stands, I mean, she stands out even more 
in the Judgment Day, what with being the only female. And obviously her relationship with Dominic's very interesting. But uh, yeah, I would love to see Mia stay with the OC, not just fix this Rhea problem for them. Uh, and we, they seem to be getting on. We did see a little segment with them backstage and uh, I think she said she was going to buy them all beers or something and uh, they seem to be getting on. So yeah, this could be the start of something really, really cool. But I, I'm just really pleased that Mia Yim's back. I, I think she is a really good talent, good worker. Um, she has good matches. She's credible. She's wrestled for a long time. So, you know, it's not like she gets lost in matches or it's a bit cringe having to sit through her matches. Like, she's capable of some great matches, some great action. We saw some great matches from her down in NXT. Her against Rhea Ripley is going to be fire. Yeah, I'm really into it. So, good. Really exciting. Uh, we got an angry Judgment Day backstage. Uh, I, I didn't quite write down what Dominic said, but he said something along the lines of, does Mia Yim think that she's the solution to mommy? And he actually said mommy, and uh, that definitely tickled those that were joining us for our live Raw watch-along. Tickled me as well. Um, so, yeah, they're still leaning into this uh, mommy, pappy uh, kind of uh, terminology, which is fun. So, uh, yeah, Rhea Ripley was like, you know, bring me a yin, bring a whole army. It's still not going to be enough to stop me. So these two are going to be colliding very soon, and I am definitely here for it. We went to our next segment. This saw Bianca making her way down to the ring along with Alexa and Asuka. And I'm sure you've heard by now that Bray's logo appeared in the background only momentarily. I didn't catch it live. I did see the entrance stage flicker and go black, but I didn't catch the brief moment that the logo was on. And uh, going back and rewatching it, I was able to see it. And uh, this is interesting. This is really interesting because obviously we've seen this happen backstage at Crown Jewel. And there's a thought that he is coming after Alexa. It could also be that he's looking to recruit Alexa. It could also be that he's looking to recruit Asuka or for some reason looking to attack Asuka. I feel like attacking Asuka is not very likely. But I think, what if he's recruiting Alexa or recruiting Asuka? Like, there, it's interesting because I don't think it's got anything to do with Bianca because the only other time we've seen this was backstage at Crown Jewel, and that's when it was only Alexa and Asuka. There was no Bianca. Now it's here in the background of these three, and I think it's probably to do with Alexa, but I'm not ruling Asuka out. Uh, I am ruling out Bianca. So it's, it's Alexa or Asuka, probably Alexa. Don't know if he's looking to recruit her, get the band back together, or if he's sending a message that he's looking to attack. There is also a theory that it could be damage control just messing with Alexa. The only thing I would say is that she noticed the one at Crown Jewel. She didn't see this one. So, I don't know. I'm starting to think it's maybe not damage control. But it's very interesting. Very interesting because I didn't expect him to go after Alexa. I know it makes sense. But she is in a different place now. And uh, he's in a different place now. Like, we're not seeing The Fiend or anything. I understand the argument that she contributed to his downfall, but we did see him do a funhouse 
the night after WrestleMania and he was happy. It was like it's time for new beginnings. And, you know, he even said that he's not interested in going after Alexa. And now fast forward, seemingly he is. So I don't know. It's, it's as I say, you know, plenty to talk about and get our teeth into. You'll have to let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Uh, we then saw some footage of a big argument happening. Uh, this was as they were getting packed up to leave Saudi. Was it leave Saudi? Actually, now I'm looking at the image. It says earlier today. So I don't think it's when they left Saudi, actually. I think it might be when they arrived at Raw. Uh, watching live, I actually thought this was after the Saudi show, after Crown Jewel. But um, I can see it says earlier today. So it looks like when they first arrived, uh, Bailey. EO, Dakota, bumped into Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, and uh, there were certainly words being exchanged, but thankfully there were some officials there to keep them apart. Didn't stop uh, Damage Control coming out, though. Damage Control came out, and of course we had uh, all six women in the ring. Asuka started laying into uh, EO. It was all in Japanese, so I didn't understand it. And uh, she was having to go at EO. EO just took it. She actually looked really good. Glum. She looked sad. Looked like it was having an effect on her. She responded with the B word, which I will not say here, but it does rhyme with witch. Uh, and so uh, she said that to Asuka. And um, it was a fun little exchange. Uh, of course, this is uh, going to end in a brawl, and it ended in a brawl. Uh, big brawl, and uh, it resulted in Bianca saying that this needs to end, and it's going to end at war games. So we know that we're going to get damage control against these three, potentially four if you add Candice. It's going to need to be five because we found out it is going to be five on five. Uh, this is when Nikki Cross attacked. And so we know that Nikki Cross is going to be partnering with damage control. So um, yeah, we can talk about this in a bit because there's a graphic that's shown later on that will just uh, clean things up a little bit for you. So uh, that was the end of this segment. Next match we went to, this wasn't long, Austin Theory against Shelton Benjamin. Austin Theory winning. Austin Theory getting a dub. And uh, I did say like, oh, you can't really win with this because people were a bit down that Shelton had lost and had lost so quickly. But the point I made is that people also were complaining that Austin Theory was losing all the time. So you can't have him like lose all the time and people be sad, but then give him a win and people also be sad. Like it's, it, you know, it's, it's wrestling. He's going to win some. He's going to lose some. I, I didn't have any problem with this. I had a problem with what was coming later, but I didn't have a problem with this. Then we got the Miz segment. So Miz came out and he was saying that, you know, look, everything Johnny had said was lies. It was deceitful. He was going to uh, file defamation. He'd actually been talking to a woman and he was very excited because she wants to help him get his side of the uh, allegations across. She wants his side of the story and they want to make it big and get some Oscar buzz. And he was very excited. He was like, there is a silver lining, but obviously he was talking legal action as well. If you did miss last week, Johnny Gagano uh, uh, alleged that uh, The Miz had paid Dexter to attack him so that that would build up some sympathy on The Miz. The problem was The Miz didn't pay Dexter the money he said he would, and so now Dexter is attacking The Miz for real. So that was the conspiracy 
that was revealed last week. Miz is like, it's a load of rubbish. I can't believe people are buying it. I've had to explain myself to my friends throughout the whole week. Everyone's believing Johnny. It's a disgrace, blah, 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 blah. Of course, this brought out Johnny. So Johnny came out and he said, I'm uh, going to have to blow the whistle, but I'm going to have to blow the whistle on myself because I've done something I'm not too proud of. And, you know, if I'm going to be blowing the whistle on people, I need to be blowing the whistle on myself as well. And so he blew the whistle on himself and he said that he realized he needed stronger evidence and he's been a little bit deceitful because the woman that the Miz spoke to is not interested in putting Miz's side of the story across. She is only interested in uncovering the truth because she was a private investigator that Johnny had paid to find out more evidence. And uh, she was wearing a video camera. He's got the footage. He plays the footage, hidden camera footage of The Miz talking to this woman, basically saying everything Johnny had said is true, uh, why he planned it. He just Everything was revealed, basically. So uh, fun little segment, actually. Pretty fun little segment. Uh, this would result, obviously, in a match. The match was announced beforehand anyway. So uh, The Miz couldn't say anything back to this. I'm sure he's going to say that he was just lying or something like this, but whatever. Um, match underway. Good little match, this. Good little match. Got to give credit where it's due. I thought this was decent. Uh, fun moment as well, where Miz goes outside the ring. He's down on the ground, and then he pushes himself under the ring. It looks like he's being dragged. He does it really well but he pushes himself. And uh, when he reemerges, he's got like a turnbuckle pole bolt in his hand, like metal bolt thing. And uh, he says to the ref, like someone just pulled me under the ring. There's someone under the ring. So the ref goes to have a look. That allows the Miz to crack Johnny with this uh, metal bolt that holds the turnbuckles in place in the corners. And of course that allows him to pick up the victory. So the Miz is able to defeat Johnny by deceptive means. But this story is far from over. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. Uh, and it wasn't over here as well because the Miz jumped out the ring, got walloped with a steel chair by Dexter Loomis. And Dexter ran into the crowd uh, and was running away from the officials. So, yeah, as I said, I, I can't quite tell where it's building. I don't know if it's going to be Miz and a mystery partner against Dexter and Johnny. I don't know if it's just going to be Miz and Johnny in some sort of stipulation match or I don't know. Uh, it's hard to know exactly where it's going and certainly what with Survivor Series being the next uh, pay-per-view. I can't see it being Team Miz versus Team Johnny. So I can't quite get a read as to where we're going. Maybe this is going to be one that doesn't feature at Survivor Series and it just plays out on Raw. But uh, it's been pretty pretty good up until now. Um, I think I'd like a segment with Marisa, Miss TV. Don't know really how you can push the story forwards. Maybe the Miz will say that he was just lying to that woman to try and get a better part, to try and get a, a movie deal. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's all right. It's all right. Then we went backstage and we saw Nikki. She was fired up. She was worked up. And uh, we had Damage Control basically saying that they want her to join them. And she wasn't very committed. She was just, you know, kind of in a 
dark place. Uh, they said that she had a match with uh, Dana. They would come out and, you know, support her. And uh, Nikki said, time to play. So uh, she was uh, pretty uh, focused, pumped up. I say focused. I mean, she's focused in a mental way. <laughs> she's proper off the rails now, Nikki. Very much back to her sanity persona. Oh, I don't know what this was, right? There, there was a little glimpse that I got of The Rock walking into a room and there was a WrestleFest cabinet and he was like, oh, I remember this game. And he went over to it, uh, obviously a lot of nostalgia and that was it. It cut off. Like here in the UK, we did not get to see the rest of this. I'm presuming that it is advertising a rock program of some kind. I have no idea though. I managed to get this still image of it. And there were some figures in this room as well. Old Jack's figures. I, I'll have to try and search this out and find out what this is. Um, I don't think it was anything massive. Uh, it was it was like a separate commercial. I don't think it was like part of Raw. But uh, yeah, I need to find out what this was. It could have been so much huge. But um, yeah, people in the chat weren't really talking about it. So it might have just been an advert for Young Rock or maybe The Rock's going to be on an interview program or yeah, something like that. Uh, so that was that. Then we went to Dana and Nikki. This was for the 24-7 championship. Uh, not a squash match. Dana had a few moments, but by and large, it was a squash match. And uh, it was a victory for Nikki Cross. She then walked off. <laughs> without the belt and uh, I made the comment during the watch along that she walks off she's all crazed and when I say focused I mean like focused in like the distance staring if you will and uh, Bailey had the 24-7 belt she had to try and find a way of getting it onto Nikki without Nikki freaking out it was a bit like buckaroo you had to try and get the belt onto her without her, like you know jumping up and kicking out and like freaking out so uh, Bailey like put it on and uh, quickly backed away. So uh, Nikki did walk off with the 24-7 belt over her shoulder. I don't know if she knew it was there, but uh, either way, she was like fully focused, staring into the distance, uh, crazed. Uh, we did get a graphic though. So Survivor Series, November 26th. It's going to be Bianca, Asuka and Alexa and two mystery people one of which i think will be candace don't know about the other maybe Rhea. maybe don't know uh taking on dakota eo bailey nikki and a mystery person so maybe maybe mia goes on to the face side and maybe Rhea ripley goes on to the heel side but I don't know about that. I mean, that might just be its own thing separate. So we'll have to wait and see. I think Candice will definitely join the Bianca team. But not sure about the final two people. Then we went uh, kind of backstage. We saw uh, Nikki still staring off in the distance. She walked past. This is a big moment. Walked past the trash can. Dropped the 24-7 title into the trash. I think it's done. I think that's their way of telling you the belt is done. It's dead. It's over. The party is over. Go home. It's done. I think it's done. 
So uh, the 24-7 title dropped in the trash by Nikki A.S.H. Or Nikki Cross, as she's known now. That brought us to our main event. Oh, my God. This show had been all right, you know. You know, 24-7 title being dropped in the trash. Uh, Mia Yim, Johnny and Miz, fun match. Uh, New Day Usos promo at the start. There was some stuff here, not, not a classic episode, but, you know, some talking points. And that's all I ask for, is that we've got something to get our teeth into. The Bray logo, that's all I want. Just some talking points. I'm a simple guy with simple needs. But um, then we get to our main event. Sefford said backstage that he promised an open challenge and he was not going to let the fans down. Hello. Hello, face Seth. Uh, so uh, that's what he did, basically, was that he went to the ring, issued an open challenge. Ali appeared on screen. Bobby then wiped out Ali. I mean, chucked him around, yeeted him about. And uh, Bobby made his way down to the ring. So Bobby doesn't technically answer the open challenge. The bell never sounds. He just starts attacking Seth on the outside. The officials make it very clear that they want him to get into the ring so that they can start the match. After a while, though, he beats Seth so bad, they tell Bobby to just leave the ringside area. So we've got Seth down. Bobby is removed from the ringside area. And down comes Austin Theory. Now, at this point, we go to a commercial break. And during the watch along, I said he won't cash in. He won't cash in. He's not going to cash in on the United States Championship. Because why would he do that? He's got the opportunity to cash in for a world title. Why would he cash in on a United States mid-card belt? Doesn't make any sense. This is an open challenge. Bobby never answered it. So this means that Austin Theory could answer the open challenge. The only problem is Seth is injured. He's just been beaten up. I don't know that the refs would be willing to allow the open challenge to go ahead. So Seth's down and he's clearly in pain. So um, I don't know that we can class the open challenge as still being a factor or still being a thing. Either way, uh, the cash-in happens. So Theory does cash-in and the bell does sound. Bobby then returns, pulls the ref out of the ring uh, it's a back and forth as well. Austin Theory did look like he was about to win. Referee is pulled out of the ring. Theory uh, goes over to Bobby saying, you've ruined it um, and all of this. Bobby grabs Theory and uh, drives him into the ring post uh, a couple of times, kind of like chucks him around the ringside area. The bottom line is, with just a few minutes to go, we have got... Theory down outside the ring. Seth down inside the ring. Bobby has basically wiped them both out. Theory has cashed in his money in the bank and the bell has sounded. The referee who had been pulled out of the ring got back in, started counting, gets to almost 10. I mean, I thought he had got to 10 at one point, but Theory seems to beat the count, gets into the ring and then uh, gets caught with a curb stomp. And basically, Seth Rollins wins. Seth Rollins wins. So Theory cashes in, seemingly fails, and Seth Rollins retains. 
his US title. I think this is garbage. I think it's garbage because why would Theory cash in on a mid-card belt? Why would you win money in the bank and cash in on a mid-card belt? The only way I can see us getting out of this is if Theory said it was an open challenge, I shouldn't have to cash in on an open challenge because Bobby never answered it. I don't know if that argument is going to work because, as I said, Seth was down. He'd been brutally attacked. I don't know that the open challenge uh, stood. I mean, you know, Seth was not medically cleared. I think I don't know that the refs would have allowed the match to uh, actually happen. Um, you know, if if that's the argument of theory that it was an open challenge, so I shouldn't have to waste my money in the bank. Why did he cash in then? Because if it was an open challenge, just get Seth, chuck him in the ring, say to the referee, I'm answering the open challenge and answer the open challenge. If it's an open challenge, why cash in? I can't find a way out of this. I hope they've got one. And I hope it's somewhat clever because I can't find a way out of it. It really seems to me like Austin Theory wasted his money in the bank by trying to cash in on a belt he's already had. He's already been the United States champion. And it's a mid-card belt. It's a belt that you have when you're not in the main event scene. You do not get or become a main event star by having the United States Championship. It does not main event pay-per-views. You need the WWE title or the Universal. That briefcase would have allowed him to have at least tried to have won one of those. And instead he cashes in on the US title. I hate it. I don't like it. I think it sucks. I have no idea why Papa H did it. I tweeted out Papa H has lost his damn mind. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think, you know, there was a lot of anger, confusion in our watch along. There's a few people that seem to be all right with it that I think probably just don't like theory. I, I have no idea. I cannot find it a positive spin on this at all. Because even if he is going to lose, why not lose at least trying to get a world title? I mean, he's lost trying to get a mid. He hasn't even got a mid card title. So uh, this is this is bad. This is bad. So this definitely hurt my score of the show. It's a talking point, though, and I'm very grateful for that. So I feel like the show might end on a seven. Might end on a seven, all things being said and done. Uh, honestly, I was so distracted. I didn't even get a chance to put the poll up to get people's thoughts. And actually, of all the weeks, this would have been a real interesting one to have got people's thoughts. So make sure if you are watching this on YouTube that you leave your thoughts below. Um, yeah, I, I genuinely think this is one of the worst cash-ins. Unless there's a way they can save it. But I'm really struggling to find what that way is. But... Yeah, I'm going to give this show uh, a seven. I hate the cash-in, but I love Mia Yim coming back. I love the Bray logo. I thought Johnny and Miz was good. Love New Day and Usos. Love that the 24-7 title has been thrown in the trash. Maybe it's a bit above seven, I don't know, but the cash-in really bugs me, man. It really bugs me. I really wanted him to cash it in at WrestleMania. Ideally, on Cody Rhodes, um, because I love Cody. 
But I just think that I love the idea of Cody thinking that he's reached the mountaintop only to have that moment snatched away thanks to a cash-in. And then Cody eventually gets back there later in the year. I would have loved that. And that's been taken away now. So, yeah. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Uh, big thank you to everyone that watches these reviews. I hope you enjoy them. Big thank you if you listen on Google Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher. Really do appreciate it. Um, and, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope the cash-in didn't ruin it too much for you. Uh, obviously, we're back tomorrow with NXT. Looking forward to that. Should be good. Um, AEW on Wednesday. Smackdown on Friday. Obviously, need to find out what's next for Bray. Um, but yeah, plenty going on in the world of WWE. That's the silver lining. The silver lining is there's lots for us to talk about, good and bad. But uh, let me know your thoughts down below. Awesome, guys. Thanks for watching. Bye for now.